Well, hey everyone, and welcome to day number 20 of our Book of Acts video teaching series called Christ in the Crisis for today, Friday, May the 15th, 2020. My volumes look good over there. I hope you had a good week, a good day. If you are listening to or watching this today, it's raining a lot out there. The grass likes it. That's for sure, and um, trust you had a good day, and that you are keeping safe out there, and uh, thank you so much for tuning in. So many of you are watching a little later, you, or sometimes you you uh, you watch several episodes at once to catch up, but uh, please send me some feedback, uh, tell me how you like it, if it sounds good, if you got any questions. I would love to hear from you and share this feed with others. Even a non-Christian person, even a hardened atheist uh, might find this interesting. There's so such little teaching on the book of Acts in the New Testament. I'm not sure why, uh, because this is a very, very vital book for us to be looking at, especially when we are in difficult times. Uh, because the fact is that the early followers of Jesus and the early church faced faced most of the time difficult times. Uh, most of the time they had their back up against the wall uh, with this, these beliefs about Jesus and his, his death, his resurrection, his messiahship, his deity, the forgiveness of sins available through him exclusively. They gave their lives for this and they were persecuted fiercely for this and uh, we're in very, very difficult conditions for this, and you just see it over and over again in the book of Acts. Uh, this coming Sunday morning at 11, our, our message is going to be the crisis of persecution, and we see persecution run its way through the book of Acts, but at the same time, the power of God runs at the same time. Almost, almost um, there's like a relationship between the two. Uh, the more there's persecution and difficulty and resistance, the more the power of God seems to be moving. Uh, this we see in the book of Acts, and in fact, we see this throughout history. Um, in any case, we are in uh, the book of Acts chapter 10 and 11, and I will put an announcement on the screen here reminding you, reminding you with my tech here, reminding you that on the 31st of May, Sunday, we will conclude this whole series. I don't know how I'm going to get through the rest. I've still got 18 chapters. Uh, but we're going to make it through to the end. We'll do as much as we can. And on the 31st of May, we're going to have an electronic internet quiz on this material. Just read the book of Acts, and you should do really well on that quiz. And uh, the winner is going to receive a brand new iPad, courtesy of our church. I will send it to you brand new in the box, okay? A great, great prize for all of your effort. But it's about more than that. It's about the transformation of your life through the Bible, through the Word of God. Okay, so we're looking at Acts chapter 10, finishing Acts chapter 10 and moving into Acts chapter 11. If you've been tracking with us, we have a monumental event here in the transformation of Cornelius the Gentile, the non-Jewish person and his household come to faith, are baptized in water, are baptized in the Holy Spirit, all in the same day, 
uh, back to back to back. They, they, there's a conversion experience immediately followed by the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is very clear to Peter because he hears them speaking in these languages that they don't know. And this is the exact same thing that happened to Peter and some 120 people way back in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost that we read. And then Peter says, well, we've got to baptize these people in water. I mean, it's so obvious God is proving it to us right here, right now, that he loves the world, not just Jewish people. And so this is a huge, huge event in the book of Acts. Uh, it is the biggest controversy of the book of Acts. You will see this later. How do, how, do, uh, how do the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem treat these people? They don't know anything. You know, the men aren't circumcised. They don't know the Torah. They don't know anything. What, what rules do we give them? Well, well how, how can we get along with them? I mean, it's a huge controversy in the book of Acts that you will see. And it, it begins here. Uh, and Peter, because of this event, um, he has to explain it. And so uh, throughout the province of Judea, they hear of this whole thing uh, of Cornelius and the Gentiles. That's Again, that's a word that means a non-Jew had received the word of God. In other words, they became believers of, of, in Jesus. And so Peter goes up to Jerusalem uh, with uh, what's called the circumcised believers. It's just a fancy way of saying Jewish men. Um, I'm sorry, he goes up, up there, and when he gets there, those men, those Jewish leaders, they criticize him. Wow. And they say, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? So they're like, you're, Peter, you're a Jew. You went into their house do you see the animosity there and this is because we don't we don't understand it today but back in that day jewish people did not commiserate with non-jewish people they did not they were not allowed to the law of moses forbade that and even for peter to stay in the house of a tanner we've talked about this was a big taboo and then he follows this bizarre vision and uh, uh ends up eventually in the household of this Gentile Cornelius. And so now he's in front of so-called circumcised believers in Jerusalem who are criticizing him and saying, you know, you spent time with them, those uncircumcised men. You, you mean you ate with them? See, you can detect that animosity in their voice, but it's about to change starting from the beginning. Peter tells them the whole story, and he recounts the whole thing. He says how he was in Joppa. He says how he had this vision of this kind of picnic, uh, picnic lunch setting, and all these unclean animals. And the voice says, uh, uh, "Peter, get up, kill, and eat." And in the vision, Peter says, "No, no, no! I've never eaten anything unclean." Right? It happens three times, and the voice says to him, "Do not call anything unclean that God has made." clean you see and these these so-called circumcised believers who are criticizing peter they're calling those non-jewish people unclean they're calling cornelius and his household unclean and the whole lesson is that that is not something that god approves of if god uh, uh accepts a person jew or gentile then 
that that's who God is, right? So he's teaching this whole lesson. So Peter explains the whole thing, explains the recounts the whole thing, and then he says right there, you know, right at that moment, these men uh, 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 from Caesarea come and they and they come to the house that I was staying, and I, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me. Uh, to go with them and uh and so we went we went to the man's house the journey from joppa to caesarea is barely mentioned there and then uh cornelius he says cornelius tells me the whole story of how uh he had a vision and and that he was told to send to joppa to find this guy named simon peter and bring him to your house because he has a message for you and here there's one addition one very very important addition in peter's recounting of this story it's in verse 14 of acts 11 he referring to peter uh cornelius this is cornelius's uh, version of the story he was told he peter will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved that is new uh this we don't see this in uh, when the experience happens to cornelius we don't see this but it is told to us here by peter why is this so important because it's proof positive that cornelius and his household were not followers of jesus before they heard from peter and heard peter's message that's very very important for us to understand because they were god-fearing people but they did not yet know jesus in fact it was their fear of god and their reverence for yahweh and seeking after him that brought the whole thing to fruition fruition and and god responds by having peter deliver the message of the good news of jesus and so verse 15 Peter again recounting to these people who are criticizing him what happened. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And then I remembered, then the light bulb went off in my head, Peter says. Ding, 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 ding. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. What did the Lord say? And he quotes from Acts chapter 1 before Jesus ascends and verse 5. John baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So what's he saying? He's saying we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is separate from being baptized in water. And now we saw them, Cornelius and his household, baptized in the Holy Spirit in the exact same way that it happened to us. They spoke in these languages that they did not know. We saw God do that with them in the same way that he did it with us. So so the baptism in the Holy Spirit then for Peter would have been, well, uh, we know we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We spoke in these languages. And, well, we saw the same thing happen to these Gentiles. So that's how we knew that they were too. So, you know, there there are some in in, uh, Pentecostal theology, um, typically what we have done it, it, over the years is we have we have gone crazy on this whole thing of languages and we have we have talked about 
how you know y- y- the the tongues, the tongues, the tongues. You know, and we've we, it's almost like we've reversed the way that it is in the Book of Acts. In the Book of Acts, it's about receiving the power of the Spirit. Now, if you ask Peter, how do you know that you received the power of the Spirit? He would say, well, we spoke in these languages. That's how we knew. If you were to ask him, how did you know that these Gentiles received the power of the Holy Spirit? He would say, well, they spoke in these languages, same as we did. So I guess that's proof positive. But what Peter would not do, probably, would be to run around, uh, you know, talking about tongues, 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 tongues all the time. Do you have tongues? Have you spoken in tongues? What about the tongues? I think Peter would have said, what about the power? Where's the power of the Spirit in your life? Where's the power of the Spirit when you face persecution? Where's the power of the Spirit so that you can share your faith? Where's the power of the Spirit so that when you pray for people, you actually start to see things happen? Where is that in your life? It's The tongues are an incidental thing. It's not that they're an unimportant thing, but they're incidental. What is foundational to the power of the Holy Spirit is just that, the power to be a witness for Jesus. Jesus never even spoke about tongues, so far as we know. He never even mentions it. He just says, you wait until you receive the power of the Spirit, in- implicitly meaning we would know that when we have it. But he, he, he didn't do, and Peter didn't do, what we do many times in Pentecostal circles, and not, not with bad motive, but just I think we've got, the, we've got a reversal of things going on there. Seek the power of the Spirit from Jesus. You seek the one who can fill you with his power and you leave the rest to him. And so uh, this is what happens here. He says, well, John baptized with this, uh, in, in water. You'll be baptized in the spirit. I remember what Jesus said. It all clicked into place. And so if God gave them the same gift that he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, thankfully, these criticizers, uh, people who criticize, is that, uh, I don't know if that's a word, but these people who are criticizing, they have no further objections and they praise God. They change their position. Good for them. And they say, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Go figure. God wants non-Jewish people to, would you look at that? They should have known better, but of course they did not, okay? And and so, again, we look at it 20 centuries later, and we say, well, isn't this a no-brainer? Not for them, it wasn't. So it, this is a, a big lesson from the story. Um, again, we've got to go back in time and understand what it felt like, and what all these things meant for them. We see from the story, God loves the whole world. Jesus died for the whole world. Jew, Gentile, male, female, young, old, regardless of of socioeconomic status, regardless of background, regardless of religion, Jesus died for everyone. He gave his life for everyone, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So uh, the gift of salvation, the promise of the power of the Spirit and the presence of the Spirit is available to all people. And this is what we are starting to see here 
even though there is persecution. And in the back end of the chapter, you see that the gospel is beginning to spread, and it is spreading because of persecution. And people are being discipled in different places because persecution had happened. The message is growing. And I just want to highlight one other thing for you uh, tonight before we finish. During this time, verse 27, jumping all the way down there, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Now, this is fascinating because we're about to see the, the activity, the gift of prophecy, and in this case, predictive prophecy in operation from someone who is not one of the 12, the so-called apostles, not an apostle, not even one of the, of the men chosen in Acts chapter 6. It's someone totally different, and it's people, uh, uh, more than one person. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Who are they? We don't know, but one of them is named. His name is Agabus. Who's Agabus? He's not one of the 12. He's not one of the men in Acts chapter 6. He, he just jumps onto the page here. He stood up and through the Spirit predicted a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. It's interesting. He doesn't say who's the cause of the famine. He just says a famine is going to come over the entire Roman world. And then Luke tells us kind of in parenthesis, parentheticals here this happened during the reign of claudius that would be the emperor claudius this would come after the time that it was written so it's interesting we see the the movement the gift of prophecy through the holy spirit through someone who is not an apostle not one of the uh, the the people from acts chapter six uh he's a nobody and yet he's being used in the gift of prophecy and gets it right, talking about a famine that would spread over the entire Roman world. The disciples, as each one was able, therefore, decided to, to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. A famine is coming. And this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So uh, really just a, a chapter jam-packed with things. But again, the, the power, and the movement, and the activity of the Holy Spirit concurrently with the persecution and the problems that the early church was facing. Now we live in a time of worldwide pandemic, and now we face pressure. Now we face problems. Now we face difficulty. Are we seeking the power of the Spirit that we may be an effective communicator of the good news today and if we are not even followers of jesus maybe some of you watching listening not even a follower of jesus now is your chance today is the day to receive the gift of forgiveness of your sin not from a man not from a priest not from a pastor not from a rabbi not from a from an an imam, but from God himself, the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, who has revealed himself through the Lord Jesus. He offers that gift of forgiveness of your sins straight from God himself. 
and that is the promise that leads to eternal life. So I trust this has been a blessing for you. We're going to take a day off tomorrow, Saturday. Come right back on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Share this feed with other people. Ask people to join in our service. If people come in and they join uh, join with us, I'll put a little announcement on the screen on Sunday. And if they register by giving us their name, email, and phone number, uh, I will send them a little gift in the mail, email, I should say, uh, that they're really going to enjoy. All right, so God bless you and uh, enjoy the rest of your day and your Saturday tomorrow.